Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at RedRiverToyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. There you were. I needed someone to understand my ups and downs. There you Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphian, and also host of the Jeff Calkins Show, 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He's on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, how goes it today? I'm good. Good to hear. Good, good. even with yeah. even with even with your bills and a free fall. Free fall. I mean, no, I was actually thinking about it uh, because I, you know, I agonize over the games, and I, of course, while I kept careful track of what was happening last night i wasn't actually watching when all of this misery unfolded um it's just weird that way but now what i actually like like i've already given up on the season now i'm kind of into now when you get to the to me the the other part of sports which is fun which is thinking about you know the new oc joe brady's gonna have uh the rest of the season to see if he can figure out this offense and you get to focus on things other than the actual games, which can tend to be very painful for me. So, um, so weirdly enough, like I really like the off season. I really like the draft. I really like preseason. I really like hope. I really like the, the, the process of building a team. I really like all of that. The games, as someone who grew up in Buffalo, yeah, it can be kind of trauma-inducing. But everything else, Last. so now we've moved on to talking about you know, the, here's the truth. Because Ken Dorsey was fired today, there's not even much talk about what happened last night. There's some in terms of, like, who was to blame or whatever else. Why is Dorsey getting fired when there were 12 men on the field? It wasn't his fault. There were, you know, all that. But um, really the talk more is about the firing, about Joe Brady, right. about what comes next, about whether Sean, Dur- Sean McDermott will go. And we don't have to wallow in the unpleasantness that was the game last Well, night. but the 12 men on the field, well, you say it's trauma-inducing for you being that they're your team. It was trauma-inducing for me just being a, a football lifer. I, <laughs> right, I, exactly. that, I, I don't know how you make that mistake. I, I, that is that is as bad as I've seen in the NFL season so far this year. No, it's terrible. It was terrible. Unforgivable. Terrible. Yeah, and I just I I, 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 you could have nine guys on the field. Have not, I mean, for God's sake, right. just make I mean, sure Notre you don't Dame have 12. Notre, Notre, no, Notre Dame was they had under, 10. Notre Dame, yeah, Notre Dame had 10. Counting is underrated. You know, people <laughs> wonder, like, they're like, when am I ever going to use this math? And you're like, well, when you're, when you're, a, uh, when you're a defensive coordinator, you're going to use this math because you've got to be able to count to 11. And uh, sure enough, they couldn't. Um, so, yes, it was terrible. Yeah, now, it was absolutely terrible. Now, Ken Dorsey getting fired, I, I think I kind of I, I understand it. They haven't scored 25 points since week four. And, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is you've watched it. Like, Brian Dable had his – like, the development he showed uh, in, in developing uh, Josh Allen, at least, like, uh, it was phenomenal. Like, the, the transition he made from his rookie year to his second year to his third year was, was great. Ken Dorsey has sort of tried to unleash – um, Josh Allen, and that's led to even more turnovers. And I think that, that that's mostly what we're looking at. And I, I get tired because I know you've seen a lot of it. Like all the analysts, like the 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 analytics people, oh, well, they're third in EPA per play and they're, you know, top five in, in, in drive success rate. I, I, I get tired of all that. 
and, and there's that's sort of the reason to keep Ken Dorsey. I feel as if there has been a pretty dramatic step away from taking care of the ball under Ken Dorsey from Josh Allen, and I think that's sort of leading to me to believe that maybe Ken Dorsey is a little bit of the problem. And I do think Brian Dable stepping away is, is part of the problem as well. I think Brian Dable with a couple more years with Josh Allen, we would have seen substantially better results. Yeah, it's interesting. There, there was a, there was a time in one of the seasons. I don't know. It was what may not have been Dable's last season. Maybe this when the people wanted to fire Brian Dable's too. Like there was. It, it is interesting how it works. Um, and and you know if you if you if you checked in after the the Bills, um, you know they beat the hell out of the Raiders and the Commanders and the Dolphins and the offense was rolling and you know whatever. Seasons are long and they have ups and downs. But when you go six straight games now without scoring 25 points and you've got Josh Allen and you've got Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid's a good tight end. And And James Cook's a good running back as well. Offensive offensive line is, is the best that it's been, you know, for, for Josh. Um, And you're not, you know, and, and then the defense is, is injured, but the offense has been remarkably healthy. There's really, um, you know, and I know people are like, "Why not McDermott?" But you got to mm-hmm. start somewhere, and so that um, so that's where you start. And I don't really think it's that Dorsey tried to unleash Josh. I actually think they've been trying to get Josh to run less and be more of a pocket passer. I, I, and again, X's and O's are not my my, right. my 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 area of expertise, but I think I think what happens is is that there's not a lot of easy answers for Josh in, in Dorsey's offense, right? I mean, if you take the pick last night, he's throwing to a 5-7 receiver, you know, not the pick that went off Gabe Davis's hands, the right. other one. He's like, what is that play? Like, well, seriously, like, and, and I don't – I. And then there's the other ones where Josh Allen's handing off a, a inside zone and he just fumbles the ball. It doesn't feel like to me – I mean, again, this isn't – when I saw the Bengals destroy the Bills in the playoffs last year, it was pitch and catch, easy stuff, right? It just looked easy for Joe Burrow. With with this Bills offense, it feels it works when Josh is superhuman and not particularly otherwise. And so, again, it's you know, is there a way to draw plays that makes it easier for Josh so he doesn't have to? try to be superhuman or feel like if he's not doing make, you know, is there a way to do that? I think we're going to find out. Now the interesting thing is Joe Brady takes over and you've got in very quick succession, the Jets defense this week, uh, Bill's had four turnovers in losing to the Jets last time um, and and have never solved the, the, the Jets really. Um, So you've got them, you've got Dallas's defense coming up you've got Philadelphia's defense coming up. So if Joe Brady, who did not, who was very successful, obviously at LSU when he had all the weapons in the world, but was not successful as the Panthers OC when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback, if he can do it, um, you know, I think it'll be, it'll be remarkable because to do it on the fly, I think is pretty difficult. Um, but I think it's a, it's an interesting test for him. And I do think he could, you know, win the OC job going forward. If he can, he can get this offense back to, you know, 
to, to where it looked like it was under Dable. Well, you know it's a bottom-line business, and I don't think they have been, especially particularly since the uh, OT loss to the Chiefs. They've just sort of been trending in a, in a wrong direction. When does this come down to Sean McDermott, though? Like, I, I, I know that – I don't know if you're there, but when does it come down to Sean McDermott and, hey, let's get somebody else in here to, to get a handle on this whole thing? I think, I, I think that's an interesting question. Like, is – I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of Bill's uh, commentary today from Buffalo, uh, up in Buffalo, and I don't think anyone – listen, before Sean McDermott got there, they had gone 17 years? I don't know what it was. Like, without, yeah. without, the, you know, without, without the playoffs. They were pathetic, right? They had been since the Jim Kelly Bills until Sean McDermott got there, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They'd been, you know, just laughably bad. Um, and so – if I'm the owner, I think, all right, we had a bad year here. Um, but am I, I literally just gave Sean McDermott a new contract. I suspect what they'll do is say, listen, this has been a pretty damn good operation for the last six, seven years. Let's give them another year. I'll be stunned if they make a change. Now, you will see. We'll see the rest of the way this goes. I mean, obviously the fans all want his head because why not? You know, right. <laughs> fans always want to fire the coach. And they feel like, you know, he didn't take responsibility for the, the loss of the Chiefs, the 13-second disaster against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Uh, they feel like um, now he's throwing Dorsey, you know, under the bus. But honestly, that's what happens. <laughs> like, that's what happens. You start throwing things under the bus. And so, I mean, in the, in, in the last, you know, year, you've now had – they fired the O.C., and Leslie Frazier, the defense coordinator, um, and Sean McDermott mutually, quote, unquote, mutually part ways. And so there is no one left to blame. Like now it right. will be fully focused on Sean McDermott. But that, you, need, you need another burst of lack of success, of failure, to then push the coach out. That's typically how it works. You go ahead and you make these coordinator changes, and if things don't get better – then you turn to the head coach. That's typically how it works, and I suspect that's how it will work here. Now, speaking of him potentially getting fired, we're on to coaching carousel season in uh, college mm-hmm. football. I love it. I love every bit of it. I, I, I've already mentioned that today. I love. Yeah, I, I enjoy the fake um, Jamie Chadwell and Starkville tweet. That just that that warms my heart. Um, <laughs> we have guys getting asked press questions about yep. uh, potentially leaving. I think the Dion one is ho- particularly hilarious. I don't think the SEC is even thinking about hiring Dion right now. But Dan Lanning did get answer, did did get asked, and he answered, "I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance I'll be coaching somewhere else. I've got unfinished business here. The the original, you know, the 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 question that we go to right after we hear somebody make right. a statement like that is, do you believe him or do you not believe him? Because we've seen several times a guy will say that and then leave for the biggest money pot that he could potentially get. Do you believe Dan Lanning when he says like, you know, if if A and M comes after him, he's still he's still going to be Stuck there in Oregon. He's going to stay in Oregon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are ways to answer that question um, that leave you wiggle room, and then there are ways to answer that question that leave you no wiggle room. And you can still leave if, even if you leave no wiggle room. Like the most yeah. famous example was Tommy Tuberville, who said, uh, you know, I'm leaving Oxford in a pine box. And the next thing you know, he was headed to Auburn. So, I mean, that was the most ridiculous. That was the most well, ridiculous. You expect it from him. And I'll he's say continuing that. His, uh, his reign of terror right now in the yes. Capitol. Anyway, sure so, um, so that was 
the great Honorable Tommy Tuberville. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think that Dan Lanning left himself any wiggle room, not, not to ever leave two years or a year or, you know, whatever else could he leave. But no, he is clearly, if you listen to him give that answer, he is not going to Texas A&M. It could not be more clear. I would be stunned if he went for, after you leave it, like, there's a way to, you know, the, the way you answer it, if you might want to leave is, um, listen, uh, it's, it's incredibly flattering. They're only coming. It's a compliment to all of us that people are talking about, uh, my name here. It really is a reflection of all the good things happening at the program. And I got, all I can say is, you know, I'm never going to roll anything out. Of course, like you never know what's going to happen, but I'm incredibly happy to be here and I'm incredibly proud of what we're doing. And I have no plans to leave there. <laughs> and then you leave. And yeah, then you leave. no plans but, to leave right now. But yeah, he does have no plans to leave, and then it's fine. And and so you just maybe you could even leave off that sentence. You just say it's a compliment. It's always going to happen. As long as we're successful, there'll be noise. But beyond that, I don't really have anything to say. Yeah, you know. And you should hope that every year people are coming after me because what it means is that we're winning. We're doing what. But I man, I love being an Oregon Duck. <laughs> you know, you can say I love being an Oregon Duck, or I love being an Ole Miss Rebel, or I love being yes. Whatever, um, you just can't say, no, I am not leaving, and then leave. Yes. Now, people do, but I do think that's scummy. I yeah, think, the, I think, and I get where Oregon fans may have PTSD with, like, Willie Taggart saying something similar and, and Mario Cristobal saying something similar. I don't think they said it as definitively, but also they went back to their hometowns to go coach. I mean, we're talking about uh, Willie Taggart went to Florida State and it. Miami for, yeah. for Cristobal. It's where they're from. I mean, Dan went out of his way, Dan Lanning went out of his way to say how much he loves raising his kids in the community. And then also, he also talked just sort of about, listen, in this circumstance, a lot of people will try to keep the conversation going because they want to get raises. Like, he was sort of mocking the whole process in a way that if you leave after that, I I really think you look like a schmuck. I just don't think he would have done it. I, I have to say, too, every time I see him, see him talk just incredibly impressive i would love it see, if counter and i were trying to move through this like where where does he rank in college football coaching right now to you with what he's done with his oregon oregon team like obviously he's not in the kirby uh, nick saban yeah, in the national championship Ryan day thing, right, conversation whatever. um but i mean i i mean no. it, i think i think you could put him in the top 10 i really do i i know it's been a short time but i think you could you could very well put him there. Sure, if you I mean, want there, to. you know, there, he he caught some criticism for the way he game coached against Washington, right? Yeah. I, I didn't criticize him for that, but he caught some criticism for that. Um, I don't know. I just think he's impressive. I think yes. he's impressive. Everything about him is impressive. So, um, I, but I haven't, I haven't not assembled my list of the top <laughs> no, ten. Yes, no, I get you. But now I, uh, I do, I do. Like, is he, who is who's who, who's high? Who ranks higher? Mike Norvell or Dan Lanning? Mike. I think Mike right Mike now. Mike does, very yeah. clearly, because it was a harder job that yes. he undertook, and it was, and he also won, you know, so I think Mike would be higher than Dan Lanning. I'm not saying he's actually would be better. Like, I could imagine a circumstance where Whereas, I might. Yeah, but, all but things were equal. right now, if you're just ranking them, I think Norvell has to um, rank above Dan Lanning. Do you, do you, outside of the money, okay, like outside of the money uh-huh. and the NIL donors and everything else, do you think Texas A and M's a good job? Like, I, like truthfully, like this is this is like just getting down to it. Is Texas A and M a good job to take if you're a college football coach? 
Well, the history would say no, right? Like if you, if, if, if you're looking for evidence that people have won at the highest level there, um, it's, it's pretty skimpy. And so therefore, no, right. Right. You, you would say no. Um, I think that the reasons it should be a good job are that the money really matters, not just to put in your pocket, but to get players. Yes. And I think most coaches, a lot of coaches would think if I had Jimbo's money to get players, indeed, if I just had the players he had, I could have done a better job with those players. Yes. And then it's in, and then it's in Texas. So it's in Texas. So lots of players, you got lots of money. Is it a good job? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good job. In fact, I think it's pretty clearly like what other jobs are available now. So we got UCLA is about to come open with, we got with Chip UCLA Kelly. Is definitely going to come open. But yeah, it's it's the best job out there. I mean, right now it's clearly the best job out there. Now is it? Is it? I just find it strange. Like here's here's the one thing about A and M that I just can't get over. The expectations are enormously high, but they've never reached those expectations under anybody. Right. Under like under a single person, maybe the eleven and two year with Kevin Sumlin and Johnny Manziel. But outside of that, like it, yeah. it's weird for me to call a job they good when every they, they've they've hired a lot of good coaches, but over the years they've never reached the expectations they thought they were supposed to reach. Is that an institutional thing, or is that just okay? We're just not hiring the same coaches. I almost think at, at times, like I I do have that debate. Is it the institution ultimately? That, that sort of puts this pressure on this coach that this coach is it's never funny, actually like, going to reach. Florida hadn't, Florida hadn't done it, really, until Spurrier got there. But mm-hmm. everyone acknowledged it was a great job, right? Yeah. Um, like, Georgia hadn't done it in forever. Everyone knew that was a great job. Georgia hadn't really done it until Kirby. I mean, they did it, obviously, you know, in, in, in Herschel Walker's year, but then they hadn't yeah. done it for a long, long time. time until Kirby got there. And so, like, I don't know. But like, think, A&M's never done it. Just never. Never, Even never, in the never, Big 12. Like in the 50s, 60s? I'm not familiar But again, but like when it comes to the SEC, I think the expectations are there because of Johnny Menzel and beating Alabama. And I remember watching them in the early Big 12 and the early 2000s. It was never good, even in the Big 12. It's just, I, the expectation doesn't match what we actually see year to year. It's just, you know just never done, done it. Like, LSU hadn't done it until Nick Saban got there. LSU was like this sleeping giant that hadn't done it, maybe in the 50s or whatever, but they, they hadn't done it either. I think, I think it's a damn good job. Yeah. I think it's a damn good job now, you know, but, but yes, the expectations are incredibly high. Dude, and the expectations Connor, just let me know, 1939 is the, year, is the year of consequence when it comes to hand up football. <laughs> are the expectations there? Like, it's an interesting question. Like, the expectations aren't. I mean, the, the, the one that would, would, would be daunting in terms of expectations, obviously, would be Alabama, right? Yeah. I think, you know, I think Ohio State, like, if you do it once at Texas A&M, it seems to me you're probably, you know, people will be grateful forever, right? Like I, like, I don't think you have to have the consistent, you have to win at the high level that they do even at Ohio State or at Alabama or in Georgia. Like, I don't think you've got to be a dime. I just, they're thirsty for one. Because you point out, like, they haven't done it. And so if you can succeed there, I do think, um, you know, I think you, you – you, and, and not – you don't have to build a dynasty. I don't know. It's a, it's a good job, but is it is – it, it, is, it it, is, is it as good as it's Texas painted is, to be? 
I don't know. Well, I don't know how good anyone paints it to be. Is, is, <laughs> and here's the other question. Now that te- you used to have the advantage and that you were the Texas school in the SEC, now Texas is joining you in the SEC, and so I don't think it's as good a job you know, now as it was three years ago, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Now, last thing, Jim Harbaugh's presser, was that the greatest thing you saw this week? It's Best thing ever. America's team. I like the chickens. Team, Oh yeah, and America's team too. That, that I mean, that's the so one. Well, he said he didn't he say ch- he said he said chickens were. He used to think they were a, uh, a fearful bird. I guess I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but now he they're grinders. He thinks they're grinders. But the America's team thing I, that is the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, like the the victimization. Like I listen, you can use it as a rallying cry. You can you can use it for your team as a rallying cry. Oh, they're picking on us, but like it does not come across. And I. I don't think Jim Harbaugh cares particularly. I don't think. I don't think. But they it are. does not. It does not look good when you have your your head coach up there playing victim through this whole thing, to the to the no, national okay. media and everybody so, following it. I don't think that they are America's team, and I don't think they have all of America rallying behind them in this moment of crisis. <laughs> well, I think. You, but going out on a I limb. don't think. I don't think they're universally hated either. You know, I don't think. I don't hate I think them. it's. A, I think it's a split. I think. I think. You know, the, clearly the Michigan folks are pumped up, and then everybody else in the Big Ten hates them. But beyond that, I think most of us are mostly bemused by the whole thing and find it entertaining. And, you know, I think I, I don't think he's reviled. You know, I don't think it's like, ah, I hate that team. Like, like people hate Duke, for example, in basketball. I don't think people root against Michigan particularly, even with the victimization, unless you're in the upper Midwest somewhere, or in the Midwest yeah. somewhere, in which case you do, because – because uh, they're Michigan and, and they're cheaters and you're in their conference. Yeah, but 24. 24- Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Let me ask you this. Are they, I don't think they are as hated and as tainted as the Houston Astros, for example. No, no. Right? Because I think we really think the Astros got great benefit by cheating, right? Yes. I, I, yes, don't you? Like, yes, and we still hate them for it. In a lot and of we still hate them for it. Plus, it didn't help that they won so much. And Michigan well, it, really it, it, hasn't won. It also doesn't help. I mean, but also on the back end with the Astros, you did have the confirmation of, oh, they're still a damn good team. They won a World Series with Dusty Baker without cheating. Yes. After they after they got caught, they still had good players. And same thing with with Michigan still here. They won twenty four fifteen at Penn State. Right. After, I don't think anyone thought that was because of sign stealing. Right? right. So it's just it's it's a it's it's nuanced, and I just I. They're definitely not America's team, but I I don't I don't mind them. I just don't think it's a good look to play full victim when you step up to the podium. Would you prefer if you were rooting for an NFL team and they had a coaching vacancy? Would you prefer your next head coach to be Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick? Jim Harbaugh, not even close. Not even close. I don't think it's particularly close because Bill Belichick. I just I I think the time has come and gone. I really do. You're not seeing any level of promise with that Patriots team. And now you see guys behind the seat. Like, I don't know if you saw the Jack Jones situation. He just got picked up by the Raiders, I think. But you know, he, was, he was great his rookie year, but now he's got an attitude problem, and they, and they released him altogether. You know, it's just like the Patriot way in this day and right. age I don't think hits the same as it work. used to. It just doesn't work with the players, the type of guys you're getting, the personalities you get now. And then also I think there's something to be said about defensive coaches and uh, you know, not just defensive coaches because I, I like you look at D'Amico Ryan's. He's done a good job, but he is not he is not completely denied and and straight away from 
the style of offense we need to play in today's game. He has C.J. Stroud. He has Bobby Slowick doing that whole thing. Bill Belichick wants and forces that 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 whole thing. The forces the entire Patriots uh, organization to play a style of offense that's boring and dull, so he can pace the game and manage the game like he always has. It just it just feels like it's gone. It feels I'm like not sure Harbaugh would be an electric. He wouldn't be electric, but I think either. I think he understands. I think he can be more moldable at at his age, and he, I think and, he's shown that in college football more than Bill Belichick has shown. He's moldable since Tom Brady's left. He's not moldable. He's going plus, to do it the same old way. Plus, he hangs out with his chickens. His therapy is hanging out with chickens, and that is very endearing. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. You're yeah. phenomenal. Appreciate it, Jeff. See you again. We'll do it again tomorrow. That's Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X. Daily Memphian columnist, all of his work there, dailymemphian.com, and all of his radio work 9 to 11 with the Jeff Calkins Show right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Robert Irwin Jewelers annual Black Friday sale is going on now. With every purchase of $299 or more, you get a gift. Get great gifts with a purchase like buy a gift and get a gift, right? Bigger, brighter diamonds at better prices. We get um, – you, you buy the Diamond Flexi Bangle – Bracelet for $14.99, you get a Yeti cooler or an Xbox Series S. You can choose two-carat diamond right-hand ring only, $19.99. You get a free Samsung TV with that. Half-carat diamond hoop earring set and 14-carat yellow gold. Uh, 18 brilliant cut shimmering diamonds with those bad boys, $6.99. And you get a you get free Apple AirTags or a Wonderboom 3 portable speaker. And then the final one I'll mention, three-carat lab-grown diamond tennis bracelet for $28.99. You get a PlayStation 5 with that, this is the time to get engaged as well. Designer engagement rings at great prices and available in every single budget. And you can buy with confidence with the RIJ way. 46 years in business, and they do good business. One, you get the meant to be guarantee. You buy your loose diamond and custom made engagement ring from Robert Irwin Jewelers, and you have 365 days to return it. You get free ring sizing for life. That ring gets too snug, too loose. They will size it back for free. You get the diamond trade up as well. This is. Unbelievable what they do. When you decide it's time for a new diamond, bring in your original diamond. If you want to upsize, all you have to do is pay the difference. You pay the difference. You turn in that new diamond, you pay the difference for that bigger diamond. And then finally, they have the free jewelry spa service for life. So you can keep that jewelry bright and sparkling like the day you bought it with that free jewelry spa service. But also, remember, the annual Black Friday sale is going on right now, and you can see store for details while supplies last. Free financing, Bigger, brighter diamonds, better prices, Robert Irwin Jewelers, or you can go online at rijewelers.com. Now it's time to take a trip around the National Football League. That's next, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back into the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time to take a trip around the National Football League, brought to you by Longshot. The Jacksonville Jaguars. So Zay Jones, their wide receiver, who's had a career revitalization there, quite frankly, he was arrested last night on a misdemeanor. Or, uh, yeah, last night, I should say. It was 5.03 p.m. Uh, Central Time, 6.03 p.m. Eastern Time. He was arrested on misdemeanor domestic battery charge Monday. He was arrested by Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and booked in the Duval County Jail. Uh, again, charge of domestic battery causing bodily harm, a first-degree misdemeanor. I don't know what this is going to mean for him, but I just find this strange, man. Like, this, uh, things 
Things always happen week to week in the NFL. Uh, I don't have the full story on Zay Jones. I'm sure we'll learn a little bit later. The Dallas Cowboys. This is actually really sad, and I hope that Jerry Jones is wrong, and I hope that his linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch, can make a recovery. But he was one on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and he does his weekly chat with some guys on that radio station, and he revealed that Cowboys linebacker Leighton Vander Esch has a neck injury. It's going to keep him out for the rest of the year. That, that much we know. But he also said it could threaten his career as a whole. And I can completely see that. I mean, the amount of hitting that inside linebackers have to do uh, just to stay around the league for a long time, we, we've seen it several times. Patrick Willis had to end his career early. Luke Keekley had to end his career early. But a neck issue for a linebacker that plays inside the box, that's never good. I, I hope he's wrong, but hearing that Leighton Vander Esch may never play another snap, that, that definitely hits home. That's rough. He's been really good for that team. He's been a guy they've kept around for a while, and uh, it would be a brutal loss for them if, if he has to retire. The Minnesota Vikings. Now, this, this goes back to Josh Dobbs, my favorite player in the NFL right now. He's got 11 TDs so far this year. But as a Viking, in two games, we came in in relief, right? You remember that? Led them to a win. And then he started a game. Led them to a win. 27-19 over the New Orleans Saints. Now, he has five TDs as a Viking, in a week and a half, if you will. A game and a half. Do you know how many uh, touchdown passes Zach Wilson has in 2023 altogether? Five. He has just as many touchdown passes as Zach Wilson in a game and a half. And I also saw today that the Jets released Michael Carter. Michael Carter is released by the Jets. If they don't go find a damn quarterback until Aaron Rodgers gets back, and if Aaron Rodgers pushes it, you want to win a couple of damn games before he comes back if he's going to come back. Zach Wilson is not going to do that for you. I, I can't I can't fathom. Every statistic tells you this guy is bad. He's garbage. He can't play national he can't play quarterback in the National Football League. He sta- can't start at quarterback in the National Football League. I understand they're sticking by their guns. They picked them number two overall. They don't want to look really dumb. They want to keep trying to develop him. But five touchdowns in 2023 while Do- Josh Dobbs, a guy who they could have traded for because the Cardinals let him go, it took what? I mean, a pick? It took a pick? That's it? They could have traded for this guy. He has the same amount of touchdowns in a game and a damn half. Give me a damn break. Jets are just it, – it's kind of embarrassing. Kind of embarrassing. You have a win-now team, and you're letting this guy run your – Run your team. Run your organization. Brutal. The Denver Broncos. Now, I want to re- sort of reverse back to what I talked about in the first segment, at least a little bit. Russell Wilson. Everyone has been out on Russell Wilson. You know, he does high knees on the trip over to Europe, uh, uh, down the down the lane in the plane. I get that. And he's uh, Broncos country. Let's ride. He's a little corny. He does all these things that bother people. Um, some people will say, you know, when he was with the Seahawks, he was not necessarily the reason that they won a Super Bowl, it was their defense. It was Legion Boom. I'd agree. And I think most of these sentiments are somewhat fair. Somewhat fair. Maybe the corny thing, chill out on it. But him as a quarterback after last year, we know how bad he was last year. If you look at his 2023 NFL ranks as far as quarterback stats are concerned, right now past TDs, he has the second most as far as number is concerned. He's tied for third with Kirk Cousins with 18. Past touchdowns per attempt, he is first in the National Football League. Pass TD to INT, 18-4. He is second in the National Football League. Passer rating, he's fourth in the National Football League. Fourth quarter comebacks, he is first in the National Football League. In game-winning drives, he is tied for second 
in the National Football League. I know all of the narratives that have been out there about Russell Wilson for the past year and a half with the Nathaniel Hackett experience with him getting paid all that money and being horrible. I get all that. But we need to put it to bed to a certain extent. This Sean Payton-Russell Wilson marriage, it's working. It's working. It has worked the last three games. They have three wins in their last three games, and they have beaten the Chiefs and the Bills back-to-back while Russell Wilson is doing this statistically. I think everyone needs to chill out for a second, stop throwing Russell Wilson under the bus for everything, because every statistic, every metric, tells you that this guy's balling this year. He's having a damn good year. He's having a damn good season. He's returning to what the form we thought was before Nathaniel Hackett and before the first year with the Broncos. So I just wanted to get those stats out there. Sort of back up my point earlier in the show. But as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K to take advantage. That's my promo code, FanDuel.com slash G-A-B-E-K. Again, G-A-B-E-K. And kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, call Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a topic for small talk. I'll tell you why on the other side, 92.9 FM ESPN. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now. It's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Kuhn Show. And Small Talk is brought to you by Conway Services, reputable service available in Memphis seven days a week. Now, we could talk about a Senate uh, fight almost breaking out. Mark Wayne Mullen and uh, Teamsters president, they uh, almost came to blows. Bernie Sanders had to break it up. But I feel like this is the most important thing and why I hate superstition. Give Patrick Mahomes the floor. Uh, Patrick, we talked to you. Uh, we saw your old teammate, your backup quarterback, Chad Henney, said you have a few superstitions and that one of them has been wearing the same pair of red underwear on game day for years now. And I love a good superstition, but... You know, couldn't you just do something like eating the same pregame meal? Did it have to be the red underwear? <laughs> well, you know, um, well, first, my wife, Brittany, got them for me. So I had to, I'm not, not throwing y'all down, but I have to wear them, you know. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, I threw them on that first season. Um, we had a pretty good season that season. I only wear them for game day, though, so I can't get – they're not too worn down. They're not like these, like, nasty – I clean you them. wash them. Um, you wash them? I do. Okay. I wash them. I wash them every once in a while, at least. Is it a thong? Um, if, if is it a G-string? What is it? I mean, if we're if we're on a hot streak, I can't wash them. You know, like I gotta just keep keep it rolling. So uh, you know, it, as long as I'm winning football games, uh, I'll, I'll keep the superstition going. No, brother, clean clean your behind, brother. Clean them every time. What is he talking? Like he 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 had me going for a while. He's like, I clean them. I wear them every weekend. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, if, we, if we're winning, we're playing high, at a high level, I can't wash them. That is the most – bro, I hate, I hate superstition. I hate it altogether. Because then you get nonsense like this. She buys you some red underwear, and you decide you don't want to wash them, you don't want to wash the stank out because you've won a couple of games in a row. 
Patrick Mahomes, the the ketchup on steak was enough, brother. And now you have now you have your your superstitious underwear. I I are you a superstitious guy, Connor? I've never been that guy. I don't think it does anything for you. I'm sorry. I'm pretty superstitious. You're only a little stitious. I'm a little stitious. Okay. I am. I am. I you can't know, do it. it I just can't do it. There are moments. There are certainly moments. I'm a big believer in the reverse jinx. I think a jinx is okay, real. So you can fine. try to reverse. You try to reverse it. I was with him until he said he doesn't walk. Yeah, through. no, see, I agree. I'm I agree. I'm fine. I'm, he's like, they're not disgusting. And then he's like, and he explains it's why more, they're disgusting. It's less superstition. It, it, it doesn't cross into superstition until he says that he doesn't wash. Until then, it's more tradition. It's more yes. tradition. And okay, it turns fine. to superstition. When he do- decided not to wash. That's gross, brother. It's super gross. No, thank you. Maybe that's why he can't be tackled, because they smell, you know. Oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> Fomunda, whatever you call it, huh? Now, um, other thing I have to bring up, Tory Taylor, the punter for uh, Iowa, said he's going he's gonna to go to the NFL draft. He told the press that uh, he's not going to – he's going to forego his last year of eligibility. That is the most Iowa football cool. story ever. But, hey, it is what it is. One more hour left in the show. We're going to start it wisely because on the other side, my guy Christian Fowler will join the program. 1909 FM ESPN.